a number of famous burial sites that contain the remains of great heroes and leaders. For example, the, the pyramids of Egypt are famous because they contain the mummified bodies of ancient Egyptian kings. Westminster Abbey in London is well known because in it are the, the bodies of, of English nobles and notables. Muhammad's tomb is famous for the stone coffin and the bones which it contained. Arlington Cemetery near Washington, D.C. is revered for, for being the honored resting place of many outstanding Americans. But all of those burial sites, of all of those, there is one that stands head and shoulders above the rest. There is one that is uniquely famous, not because of who it contains, but because of who it does not contain. Of course, I'm referring to the garden tomb of Jesus. We're going to be talking about that event and the events around that event and why that site is significant this morning and in the days to come. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 24. No, you did not miss a few Sundays. <laughs> we are jumping ahead in Luke for the next four weeks. We're going to be studying this great chapter in this great gospel book in an Easter series that we are doing entitled Luke's Easter Story. And while it is a few weeks before Easter, we are beginning at the empty tomb and we will, of course, continue on with Jesus' post-resurrection ministry and his appearances, and we will end on Resurrection Sunday with Christ's ascension. This morning, we're going to be in verses 1 through 12. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Very familiar passage of Scripture, very familiar story. This is a passage usually studied on Resurrection Sunday. All four gospel writers record this story for us. All tell of Jesus' arrest and his crucifixion and his burial and his resurrection. And each writer includes differing details, different details, unique elements in their account. We learned that last year and the year before when we looked at Matthew's Easter story and then last year we looked at Mark's account of Jesus's death and resurrection and I harmonized the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John a few years ago and I explained to you the timeline of those events. I'm not going to do that today for the sake of time but I have provided for you in the foyer a couple of timelines of this event if you received it in the last couple of years and you still have it that's fine but we have it out there if you need it once again or if you don't have it one is from my uh, old Greek and New Testament professor Dr. Kendall Easley who just passed away in January I have also provided for you a timeline of those events as well uh, that I put together from studying these accounts this morning I, I want to mainly focus in on Luke's account of the resurrection, but I will add a few details as well from other gospel books to help us. Before we move on, let me say one more thing about the different details in each account. I shared this with you uh, last year, and, and uh, just about every time I, I, uh, we study these texts, 
The different details in each of these accounts should not concern you, but should be of comfort to you. I emailed Dr. Easley a couple of years ago about these details, and he said this. Look at this quote up on the screen. He said, The harmonization of the Easter accounts are notoriously difficult to harmonize. For example, in a few accounts, two angels are mentioned, in others, only one. Some accounts mention one woman, others more. This, he says, strengthens the case for the truthfulness of the accounts because this shows that there was no secret agreement between four writers to say the exact same things. In these four accounts, we have four different perspectives on the same story. Just like with witnesses in a court case, if recollections are identical, that lessens the value of what they report. I agree. If we were to go to a football game together, we would report things differently, wouldn't we? That wouldn't make any account incorrect. It's just a different take on the same event. Same is true here. These differing accounts remind us that this book, God's book, the Bible, was written by men with different perspectives at different times, with different personalities, all the while being carried along by the Holy Spirit. This book was written by God through men, and in these gospel accounts, we have their perspectives, which are all true, do not conflict while they are different. They all four report that Jesus died. They all record that he was truly dead. They all record that he died on a cross, that he was dead on a Friday afternoon, that he was buried Friday afternoon, that he was placed in a tomb, that the tomb was sealed with the stone. And they all record that on Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. The tomb is empty. Angels explain this, that Christ had risen. Look at this quote from MacArthur. He writes, The different details in each, in each account gives testimony to the fact that the writing of the Gospels was not some kind of contrived operation by a committee of people who tried to make everything match perfectly. This is not a group of people writing histories from a common single source as if there existed some source from which Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their Gospels. If they, are all, if they all were, were writing from a common source, they would be pretty much saying the same thing. These are individually inspired writers and they're writing from their own experiences. This is Luke's perspective. And what he does in this passage is he explains the uniqueness of the garden tomb of Jesus by sharing with us, his readers, that this particular tomb, unlike the tombs that, that house great leaders throughout history, this tomb is unique because it is empty. The tomb of Jesus is empty. And, and God, knowing the difficulty some might have with this reality, also uses Luke to just lay out the evidences in this passage for the empty tomb of Jesus so that his readers, so that you and me would be convinced so that we would know that Christ has been raised, so that we would believe on him, and by believing on him, we would have life in his name. So this morning, I want to focus in on verses 1 through 12 of Luke 24, and I want you to see the, the proof 
of the resurrection through what Jesus' followers witnessed. As many of you know already, there were hundreds of eyewitnesses in Luke's day to Jesus' resurrection. More than 500 saw him at one time, and in every gospel and in the book of Acts and in a few of the epistles, we have eyewitness accounts of the resurrection recorded for us. In Luke 24, we have recorded for us what Jesus' followers saw. They were all women. So the, the, the first witnesses were women, which, by the way, says a whole lot. And I'll tell you why. If Jesus' followers were trying to make up a story to deceive people into believing that a resurrection has occurred, it makes no sense whatsoever for them to use a woman's testimony. And I'll tell you why. In the first century, in this culture, a woman's testimony was not considered legitimate and valid. Now, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's a good thing. I think that's wrong, but that's the way that it was in the first century. And that's a very important detail in this story because if that's true and the gospel writers are trying to trick people into believing in Jesus, then why would they give us an eyewitness account of the testimony of women which would not be considered reliable and valid? Pretty good question, right? You ever told a story before? Try to convince someone of something that wasn't true? We won't call it what it really is, all right? We'll just say we were playing a trick on somebody. Yeah, you've done that, right? And when you do that, when you're trying to convince someone of a story that's not true, you don't include details in that story that immediately discredit your story, right? Doesn't make any sense. So the reason women are mentioned in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John's gospel as being the first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb and the risen Lord is because they were. They, they are mentioned in this way because this is the way it went down. This is a true story. The reason these testimonies are included is because this is exactly what happened. Now let's look at what these ladies Experience. First, they saw the empty tomb. The women saw the empty tomb, and they were perplexed. That's point number one. The women saw the empty tomb and were perplexed. Look at verses 1 through 3 of Luke 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And we're told in verse 4, while they were perplexed about this. They were perplexed. It's the day after the Sabbath. Sabbath was on what day? Saturday, right? And at this time of year, in this culture, it would have been Friday night after 6 when the sun went down until uh, Saturday at 6 p.m. It was early in the morning on the first day of the week. We're told that the ladies left for the tomb early. John says while it's still dark as the sun was starting to come up and when they got there, the sun had risen. Mark tells us that. So does Luke. We learn in Luke 24, verse 10, that the ladies making this trip were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James. He also mentions other women. Other women include Salome, whom we learn was, was with them in, in Mark's account. Luke also tells us about Joanna 
who was with these women as well. We learn about Joanna in Luke chapter 8. She was the wife of Chusa, who was the servant, who was a, a steward, the manager of Herod, the Tetrarch's estate. After being healed, Joanna becomes a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus and a financial supporter of his and his disciples. We're told that she provided for them out of her means. She is mentioned in Luke 8 alongside Mary Magdalene. Both women were healed of evil spirits by Jesus. Joanna, like Mary, was probably at Jesus' crucifixion preparing spices for Jesus' burial, is a witness of Christ's resurrection, and we'll learn in just a moment was one of the first witnesses to the disciples of Jesus' resurrection. Just a couple of verses in here on Joanna in Scripture, but boy, does she ever make them count. She really does. We learn a lot from her, from the little we have of her in Luke chapter 8, verse 3, and Luke chapter 24, verse 10. Notice they, they bring spices to prepare the body. The reason they did this was to help the bodies smell better because in this day, they did not embalm the bodies. So they, they were going to help this body smell better. When, when they got there, the stone had been rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. Why is that? Was it so that Jesus could get out? No, he was already gone when the stone was rolled away. Look at verse 3. When they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. The stone is not rolled away so that Jesus could get out, but so that these ladies could come in and see that the tomb was in fact empty. And that is one of the main points of Luke's account here. Listen, folks, when these women arrived at sunrise on the first day of the week, they find the empty tomb. No Jesus. No Jesus. The empty tomb is a key piece of evidence when it comes to Jesus' resurrection. I had a, a professor in college who once said, if they could just find Jesus' body, the Christian faith could be completely done away with. And though I wasn't bold enough back then, I'd like to think that my response to him today would be, but they haven't, so what should that tell us? Right? Though my professor did not believe in the resurrection, he acknowledged the fact that the empty tomb is a key piece of evidence in favor of Christianity. Listen, no matter what you believe about Christ in the Christian faith, you have to deal with the issue of the empty tomb. These eyewitness accounts recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John thousands of years ago, they still speak today. That is a key piece of evidence, the evidence of the empty tomb. The women saw the empty tomb. Notice what else. We're told the women had an encounter with angels and were frightened. Look at verses 4 and 5. While they were perplexed about this, they were confused, they were at a loss, and that word means can mean they were, they were anxious about not finding Jesus' body. They were not looking for a resurrection. Do you see that? That's why they brought spices for his body and responded the way they did when they found the tomb was empty. Verse 4, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. We're told, verse 5, they were frightened and bowed their faces 
to the ground. So when, when the women enter the tomb, they have an encounter with angels. Luke refers to them as men in dazzling apparel. John identifies them as angels when they encounter them. They do what any sane person would do. They respond in terror and they respond in awe and in humility. They bow their faces to the ground. This is an amazing encounter that we have here and we learn from the, from the other encounters and the other uh, accounts that these women were not the only ones who saw angels. We learn in John's gospel that after seeing the empty tomb, we're told Mary runs off to find Peter and John. When she returns, she has an encounter with angels before she has an encounter with Jesus, whom she, mist she mistook for a gardener, right? She thought it was a gardener, but she has an encounter with Jesus. We learn when we read Matthew's account that the Roman soldiers, they saw the, the angel descend and roll away the stone before they passed clean out, and then they reported it to the Jewish religious leaders, and they forced them to, to lie about what they saw and say someone took the body while we were sleeping, which is kind of interesting. How, how did they know someone took the body if they were sleeping? That's a, that's a problem right there, right? Tell them someone took the body while you were sleeping. How do you know, right? Not very smart. So this is not some sort of solitary and secretive encounter. Many saw angels. This meeting is not meant to be secretive. If it was, we wouldn't have it. It was meant to be told, and this gives further evidence to the resurrection. Not only did they see the empty tomb, but the women saw angels, and the angels showed them that Christ is no longer there, that he is risen, which leads us to our next point. In addition to the women seeing the empty tomb and having an encounter with angels, they heard the message from them that Christ has risen. The women heard the message that Christ had risen and believed. Eventually, they believed because they later have an encounter with the risen Christ. Even when Mary returns uh, and, and sees the angels in John's account, she says, Someone's taken the body, and we do not know where they have laid him. She still, in the presence of these angels, had her doubts until she has an encounter with Christ. But they eventually believe. Look at verses 5 through 8. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember, how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Now go back up to verse 5 real quick. I love that question right there. What a great question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? If I was going to go see clay, I'm not going to go to a graveyard. Why? Because a graveyard's a place where it's the place of the dead, right? I go to his home, the place of the living. These angels are showing that uh, they hadn't been listening to the words of Jesus, and, and we, we see the disciples' continued unbelief as they continue to go to the grave. They continue to go to the place where dead people are. They don't go look for him among the living. So that's a great question that they ask. Love this passage. Here we see God 
opening the spiritual eyes of these women to the truth of Christ's work. He begins to do this, and then when Christ appears, they, they know, right? The angel basically asks these women, why are you here? What's the reason for you being perplexed? Why do you have spices prepared for a corpse? Why are you looking for the living Messiah in a tomb? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Never have better words been spoken in all of history than that right there, folks. He is not here, but he has risen. Notice the angels do what angels do. They speak the words of God. They remind these women of Christ's words. They recall to their memory that Jesus told them in Galilee that he was going to be arrested and crucified and would rise again on the third day. And when you look back and look at it, you see that's exactly what Jesus said. Luke 9, 22, the Son of Man must suffer. See, see if you uh, can make out what he's trying to say here. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. There it is. So the, the angel is just reiterating the message that Jesus gives. And that's the work that angels do all throughout the scriptures. Angels play a key role in God's kingdom story. They fight for God and his people. They direct praise toward God. They ministered to Christ during his earthly ministry and they appeared to God's people to proclaim the good news of God's gospel message. Remember, they appeared to shepherds on a hillside after Jesus' birth and here to these women in the empty tomb after Jesus' resurrection. They appeared to the shepherds to let them know where Jesus could be found. Watch this. They appeared to the women in the empty tomb to let them know where he could not be found. They echo the words of God. They do his bidding. They are his messengers. And the message that they give is our third piece of evidence here. We're told that they were convincing. In verse 8, we're told that these women remembered the words of Jesus in Galilee. Then they go and they report to Jesus' disciples of his resurrection. But surprise, surprise, his disciples doubted. That leads us to our fourth piece of evidence that Luke gives in this passage. Notice the women shared the message that Christ had risen and the disciples doubted. Now you might think, why is that a piece of evidence? Well, the disciples are going to change they're going to change after they have an encounter with the risen Lord. So we're going to see them change. So the fact that they doubt here provides evidence later on. Look at verses 8 through 12. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. So the angel in the tomb 
tells them Jesus is risen from the dead. These women go and tell this message to the eleven, to the disciples, minus Judas, and notice to the rest, to other followers of Jesus. These women are the first witnesses of the resurrection. But, but notice, Jesus' disciples do not believe it. It seems to them an idle tale. They did not believe these women. I love that Luke includes this detail again and again throughout Luke 24, along with the women bringing spices to the tomb and the fact that they're perplexed about the empty tomb. And here's the reason why I love that he includes this. Some think critically today of men and women in this day, at this time, they view them as just a group of superstitious, uneducated people who always leaned on the side of the miraculous, who looked for resurrections around every corner. They just believed this happened all the time, which is why so many were misled in this day. For those who think that, they're not reading the story close enough. I want to draw out some important details here. First, notice what these women were expecting to find as they set out that morning. They left that morning for the tomb expecting to find Jesus' body in it. That's why they go to the place where dead bodies are. That's what they were expecting. They brought spices they had prepared for his body, and they were perplexed when the tomb is empty. They had to be reminded and convinced of Jesus' words that he spoke to them in Galilee when he said he would, he would die and rise again. Notice also when the disciples hear from these women that, that Jesus has risen, they do not believe it. Boy, we just single Thomas out. We're going to learn in a few weeks. They all needed to see him and see his wounds of crucifixion. Not just Thomas. They all doubted. These words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe it. These were not ignorant, superstitious people. They were like you and me. On this day, the only thing that these women and Christ's disciples were expecting when they woke up that morning was that Jesus' body would still be where it was placed in the garden tomb. But they were wrong. Instead, the women saw an empty tomb, had an encounter with angels who give them the message of Christ's resurrection. The disciples had a similar experience. They were not convinced of the women's story, so they returned to the place of the dead. They returned to the tomb, showing their unbelief. Now, they had just missed it somewhere in here. Get the lantern in here, and we'll, we'll show you. They return to the place of the dead. They too seek the living among the dead. And when they do, they find what the women found. Look at Luke 24, 12. He tells us that Peter returned to the tomb. Verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. And we are going to learn in the upcoming weeks that an encounter with the risen Christ is right around the corner for these disciples. And when they see him, they are forever changed by him. They bow before him. They worship him. They trust in him. They follow him. And they serve him.
what's your response going to be to him today? Have you responded to this message? Do you believe this message? Do you believe that Christ has risen from the dead? Eyewitnesses tell us he did. They saw the empty tomb. They saw the risen Lord. God tells us in his word that Christ is risen from the dead. And the question for you to ask yourself today is this. Do you believe it? And are you trusting in him alone for your salvation? He came for this reason. He came to live and lay his life down and take it up again so that we would give our lives up and over to him. Are you trusting in him for your salvation today? I pray you would this very hour before you leave here. Let's pray.